Welcome to Family Business Today, where we feature prominent local and national family business owners. We also talk to top family business experts to discuss relevant topics, including communications, business culture, family relationships, succession and estate planning, values, as well as conflict resolution. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Dr. Paul White. Dr. White is a psychologist, author, speaker, and consultant who makes work relationships work. Dr. White is co-author of three books, including The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, written with Dr. Gary Chapman, author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Five Love Languages, which is in 15 languages and has sold over 225,000 copies worldwide. Based on their extensive research and expertise, Dr. White and Dr. Chapman have developed a unique way for organizations to improve staff morale, increase employee engagement, and create enhanced levels of trust. Dr. White has been working with successful families and businesses across the country for over 15 years. Having grown up in a family-owned business, he has personally experienced both the benefits and the challenges associated with family-controlled companies. He has been described as having Midwestern practicality with global competence in dealing with wealth transfer issues. Dr. White has been married for over 39 years and is the father of four adult children. Dr. White enjoys fishing, watching college sports, and playing with his five grandchildren. Hello, Paul. I am so excited that you could join us today on this edition of Family Business Today podcast. Thank you, Greg. I'm glad to be a part. Well, it's good to have you with us. So so um, you certainly know an awful lot about uh, workplace and association, but I like to hear because our listeners are really uh, family businesses. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about your family business. Yeah, so I grew up in the context of a family business outside of uh, Kansas City in Lawrence, where the University of Kansas is, mm-hmm. and um, my father and grandfather started it, along with my mom, and then eventually uh, my uncle and cousins and my brothers, my brother-in-law, all worked there. I did not work there as an adult. I worked there uh, as a kid and teenager <laughs> and college student, um, and I sort of went a different direction, but... Uh, the, the business was, uh, they designed and manufactured point of purchase displays. So like Hallmark card displays, in sure. caps in, uh, you know, grocery stores, the wire spinners you see for books, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And so grew up through that. And, uh, you know, I'm a psychologist and a number of years ago, some friends of mine that were business consultants knew of my background and they kept running into family issues because, you know, you know, 85% of the companies in the U S are family owned. And so I started right working to help deal with the relational issues and then uh, and then business succession and wealth transfer issues. But, you know, growing up, uh, holidays were interesting because we had a whole bunch of family working and, you know, they tried to make a rule where you couldn't talk about business, you know, during the meal. And it didn't work for a while until they said, if you talk about business during the meal, uh, you do not get dessert. And um, and my family, they made great pies, and so that that was a that was a painful punishment. They enforced it, so that that sort of shut the the business talk down uh, until at least after dessert. So oh well, well that's that's great. Yeah, uh, uh, we're dessert people too. So if you got into my dessert, uh, that that would definitely be an effect. Well, you know, so many times people think about family businesses like the the Godfather and Blue Blood on television or whatever, and and businesses being uh, talked about so much. Uh, uh, so t- t- 
but tell me real quickly, why was that important to your family to not to talk about business at the dinner table? Well, because, uh, uh, well, first of all, it left a lot, a number of people out that didn't necessarily work there. And so it sort of dominated the conversation. And it was just like, we need to have some relational time that's not related to the business. And so, you know, sort of drawing a little bit of a boundary there uh, between business relationships and work relationships and communication and family life. So uh, mm-hmm. that was that was an important issue. Oh, good, good. Well, listen, I was talking to a young man um, uh, just just this past week who who had recently joined uh, the family business, and, and he's excited about it, all the opportunities and everything going. And, and of course, one of the enticements uh, that um, that was given to him is one that we've all heard who've have gone to work uh, with our uh, uh, with our dads, and this would go for moms as well. But he said that dad said that someday this business will all be yours. But he, when I asked him for more, he said, "Well, he didn't really tell me what that's like or what that's <laughs> going to be, but or whether, or whether I'd have to pay for it, pay or not. for it, or, or whatever." So, so when what should be a part of that conversation when dad says that? Yeah, you know, that's that's a tough one because there's so many layers and that's part of what my role when I work with family businesses and and I've I've scaled back on that to because there's a lot of people out there to help but I sort of help in different pieces and one is just to help people sort of remember that in a family business you really have sort of three systems that are interrelated, right? You have the the business ownership, who owns it and um uh, and the owners get to make the ultimate decisions. It's sort of like if you own a car, you can decide if you want to maintain it or you know sit it out in the in the yard or or give it away. Um, and then you have business management that system um, and who's running it on a day to day basis and and hiring and firing. And then you have family, and those three intersect. And at the beginning, lots of times, you know, there's one or two people all at the center there. I mean, it may be mom and dad, grandpa and grandma that you know they owned it, they founded it. They uh, ran it for a number of years, their family, and but over time it, it switches. Well, one of the things that happens is uh, those systems get confused. And if you're talking as, a, uh, I mean, I don't think you would just say that kind of statement to anybody you ran into, a friend or something, say, you know, you're working for me and, you know, one day this will all be yours. There's something else that's making that the difference, right? And it's the family piece. Mm-hmm. And that's the challenge of family-owned businesses. You have... It's tough. It's tough to, you know, uh, grow a successful business. It's tough to have a healthy family. And I think it's doubly or triply tough or whatever the multiple would be of having both. And part of it is trying to remember that business issues are business issues. And that includes who's going to run this in the future and own it. And family issues, you want to support your family. Um, And if you own it, you can use the business to do that. The problem is it may not be the best decision for the business. And so those two get get intertwined. We have to try to figure that out. Sure, sure. Well, let's go a little bit deeper with that. You know, I, I've, I've, I've heard the story where the, um, the uh, next generation was out in the plant uh, uh, dressing down some of the employees one time who had worked with Dad for, for many mm. years. And Dad comes mm. out in the plant, and he sees his son uh, dressing down some of the employees. And so he invites his son uh, into the office, and he says, uh, um, 
he puts on his boss hat and he says, son, you're fired. Uh, then he turns around, puts his dad hat on. And he says, uh, now, how can I help you to find another job? So right. uh, what are some suggestions you have uh, when a when a parent needs to make difficult decisions and he has he or she has to wear the parent and boss hat in making decisions? Yeah, well, first of all, to understand that they are different, right? And that mm-hmm. you can move back and forth in a single conversation, uh, putting on and off the different hats. I mean, my uh, oldest brother was uh, directly underneath my dad, and I would observe times where they started out a conversation, you know, sort of owner, CEO to manager, but, you know, somewhere in there it got switched to dad and son, and there's a different dynamic, right? I mean, as an Mm -hmm. owner, you can tell uh, an employee what you want them to do because, you know, you're the owner and, and you're paying them. Uh, but for a father to tell an adult son what to do, um, that's, you know, pushing some buttons lots of times. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, a great resource I found, there's a book called Hats Off to You Too, the num- number two by Lee Hausner, H-A-U-S-N-E-R. And she does a nice job of sort of explaining this hat thing and the different dynamics just for people to be able to work through that because it's – it's confusing when you're in the midst of it, for sure. Um, and um, sometimes you have to stop and think, okay, you know, I, I'm an owner. This is an owner issue. Um, um, but then, to be honest, and I, uh, this is just sort of historically, if you have mom there who's the matriarch, sure. moms want everybody to get along, right? I mean, that's really <laughs> something. She's like, or, you know, you shouldn't treat them that way. Well, moms don't always think about it from a business point of view. I'm, I, I'm being overly generalized here. but And so then you get the dynamics of mom and dad and all that. And uh, you'd need somebody, uh, whether that's a consultant or just one of your sort of advisors that can you can bounce things off of as a sounding board and say, am I thinking straight about this or am I getting confused family stuff versus ownership stuff versus management issues? Mm, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I know a few years ago I was working with a family and uh, you're talking about the matriarch of the family and sometimes the mother's working in the business and a lot of times they're not. Uh, but uh, uh, she told me that uh, one Thanksgiving day that her adult children stood on the front porch and argued all day long uh, mm. about uh, – who was going to get what when dad transitioned out of the family business. What advice do you have for mom? <laughs> well, the, the, the honorary part of me says you just get out there and you say, hey, if you all don't straighten up, you're not getting nothing. So don't you just keep talking all you want. So, but, you know, I mean. No I pie, think, no pie. <laughs> and, and, and clearly not, no pie is happening at all. You can take it home and eat it. But, um I, th- I think the issue there is for the owners, and usually the senior couple, um, if they're in that together, they need to be clear about their personal estate planning, right, what they own mm-hmm. as uh, individuals, um, which includes the business almost always, and maybe some other property, like, you know, that there's maybe an, a separate LLC that they've set up that owns buildings that the company's, you know, paying to. Uh, but separate and get clear on estate planning and business ownership succession. They're clearly interrelated. Mm-hmm. But um, and that's where the whole issue of you know being fair to kids in and out of the business and who, you know who's sort of 
you know, brought in sweat equity and so forth. But I, I, I think one thing, and let me just say this about about the whole, you know, let's all get along. I, I've dealt with a family-owned business um, out in California for about 15 years. Great people, lovely people. Um, and uh, the patriarch, who was a very hard-driving businessman, died oh, five or six years ago. And the family has this value of just no conflict. I mean, really, I mean, it's just let's get along. We're not going to worry about it. And that really has hurt the business uh, because in business, you have to confront people when they're not performing, right? Or you have to maybe, you know, uh, have some consequences. And that just hasn't happened here because they – they won't let it happen because of the family value, and they're going to follow mom's lead and what she says, even though the, there are a number of brothers in the business, and they aren't always doing what they're supposed to be doing. Sure. And, you know, and so you can do that. You have the choice to do that. I'm always – it's your choice, but I just want you to know this is the potential – consequence if you choose family all the time over business now there are other situations i've been in where you know it was a fairly hard driving business person and uh it was always about the business and they basically it broke up the family i mean there were sons and daughters that wouldn't talk to the dad anymore Mm -hmm. because he fired them and you know it just broke relationships and so you can go either way it's it's a it is a balancing act and it takes both shared values and communication uh, for people to sort of figure out the way they want to go. And well, let's let's go on a, a little bit further with the the value part. I know uh, uh, one of the toughest things for families, multi generational, uh, second generation's tough, third generation, fourth generation. And by the time you get to fourth generation, they may not have even never known the founder or whatever. But right. but about about those character and values. So how can a family business ensure that the character and values are successfully transitioned in multi generational family businesses? Well, I would say they can't ensure it. They can make it more likely or less likely, but there's no guarantees, right? Because we all have our own choices mm-hmm. uh, along the way. And so um, it's just like in parenting. I mean, you can't force a kid to do certain things. I mean, you can try to help train them and lead them, and you can maybe you know, make it happen for a while by fear. But at some point, they're going to make their own choices. So I think one key aspect, and I've dealt with a number of third and fourth family generations and and ownership and some are in the business and not i think it's important to distinguish between what are core values like let's say honesty integrity treating people with respect kindness Mm -hmm. and and then sort of secondary or preferred values because for example i was dealing with a, a midwest manufacturing firm that by the third generation there was a side of the family that was very artistic and very creative and, but they weren't business people, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and and so and it was fine. I mean, in one sense, I mean, they were very, you know, uh, talented uh, people, but they didn't feel included or accepted in the overall family because they weren't business oriented. And I, I found that to be sad. I mean, it's a tension and there's choices about whether they're involved in business or not. But it's like, you know, God's given us all different abilities and we are. I think to be stewards to, to uh, use those. But at some point it's like, you know, this is who you are and I accept you. And it's not, 
we don't have a place for you in the business, but you know we're going to try to support you to help find your career path. And and I, I find that um, as generations go along, it's important for whoever's actively involved to sort of revisit those values and say, okay, which of these are like just dead center at the things that we're not giving up and that these other things that we'd like, but, you know, they're sort of negotiable whether it fits or not. Does that make sense? Sure does. Sure does. Sure does. Yeah. So so let's go back to that business owner. It may be first generation. Most of the time I've found uh, with founders it's more difficult. And I know it, it was that was the case with my father, my father who, who started our family business uh, years ago. But a business owner has really worked uh, his or her entire life to build a successful business. And, mm-hmm. and I've heard people say that the second hardest thing to starting a business is transitioning out of the business. Sure. Uh, so, uh, and whether that be selling the business or transitioning the next generation or doing an a ESOP or whatever, why, why, why is it so darn difficult to talk about transition planning? Well, because it's complex, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. that's one reason. Yeah. I mean, it's easier to talk about. We talk about sports and games because yeah. it's sort of simple, right? Yeah. You know, and but we don't talk about politics and religion a lot because it's more complex. It's you know, and there's not as much agreement. So I, I, I think the same is with business succession. Part of it has to do, it has to do with my life and my energy and my future too. Do I want to get out? Lots of times. By the time a person sort of later in their career successful business, they really enjoy what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they don't want to give it up. It's like I enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Now I maybe want to slow it down a little bit, but I don't want to just get put out to pasture, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's that part of identity and and life fulfillment. Okay. A key part also is financial security, right? I mean, usually at at some stage there, you know, it's successful either mom and dad own it or you know mostly and you know if they hand it over to somebody else to manage they're handing over their future financial security and and so that's where ownership succession planning who's going to own it and make decisions and management succession who's going to run it are intertwined because lots of times uh you know people want to get out before the next generation's really ready to fully manage it mm-hmm. and and it feels pretty risky it's mm-hmm. like you know, I love you, son, and I, I, you're pretty competent, but I'm not sure I'm w- ready to hand the whole thing over to you yet. And and so there's those dynamics mm-hmm. uh, as well. So, um, and lots of times, I mean, depending on the person, but there are a lot of business owners that are just not, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Verbal, right? I mean, their skills are in design or manufacturing or process and talking about stuff, they're not really good at sort of the stuff and they need help doing it and that's you know what i or others do is help facilitate the communication mm-hmm. and even between husband and wife because that's the that's really the key one if they're not on the same page and usually they are at a high level but you get down to details and they're thinking pretty different about sure. who gets what or when we're going to turn it over and so you got to help the senior couple uh get together um before you really talk too much to the next generation sure sure so if it's so darn difficult, um, how sh- how should the conversation start? You said a little bit about that, but, you know, sh- it should, should. You know, I, I mean, I think 
I think it's always helpful to start with some self-disclosure and just say, and whether it's, and it's actually, I don't know, I was going to say it's sometimes easier to do it in a group, like, you know, with all your kids around and all that. Maybe depends on the situation. You may have somebody that, you know, lips off and says things that they shouldn't. But, uh, but I think it's like, you know, we're not going to live forever and I don't want to work this pace till I'm 80 or 90 and I'd like to think about, you know, how to transition out. But I also have concerns about, you know, uh, financial security and also the, the success of the business in, as far as for the employees, you know, that we want to make sure that we're continuing to um, employ people. Um, and, you know, it's a complex thing. And so we're starting to think about it and just wanted to let you know that. And anybody have any thoughts or suggestions or I can tell you sort of where I'm at. So you sort of start with a little bit of self-disclosure and, and just give them the big picture. Don't try to come with the answers because right. mm-hmm. they're going to shoot it down anyway. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, so, so let's, uh, let me ask you about that then. So you're, that yeah. self-disclosure, uh, is, you're right. It's very important. First is, is this is what I'm feeling like. But so uh, should they just uh, come in tomorrow and say, I'm fed up with this biz- business, I quit, no, here no, it is, no, go no, with no. it, or, or sh- should there be some three-year, five-year, what's what's sort of the ideal time, time process for a wow. successful transition, or is there such a thing? You know, I, I think it's variable depending on the size of the company. I mean, I uh, have some friends that own uh, a very large multi- business, um, like equipment rental kind of thing, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Bobcats and that kind of stuff. And it's grown from one little thing in, I don't know how many, probably 30 cities now. And that's a very different kind of plan and timing uh, than, you know, one shop, right? And so, um, I, I, and they've been doing planning for, you know, and they're in their, in, from second to third generation, they've been doing this for 10 years. I think it's never too early to start, really, at least sort of thinking about it and and talking about it. I I find, however, that in our culture, it's really hard for people, most of us, to plan beyond five years. There's just too many variables. Things change. I think three to five year is sort of – and even starting with a three-year plan and say, you know, this is sort of what the direction we want to be going. We got stuff to learn. We got to figure it out. But let's at least start – some steps here that we're going to take over the next three years and then we'll continue to figure it out from there. I see. I see. Yeah. Three to five years. I don't know. Is that consistent with your experience or oh, I mean, yes. tell me if you do. Oh yes. Oh yes, it is. Okay. I, I have had, I have had the experience of someone walking in and saying uh, that uh, I'm, I'm ready to uh, step, <laughs> step aside uh, to, yeah. to the next generation. The next generation's going out the door for a uh, vacation right. as family. And, and, and he tells dad, I'll, I'll do it when I get back. We'll start talking about it. He says, you don't know, you don't understand. I want to, I want it to happen by the end of the month. So <laughs> yeah. Well, when he start when you start looking at the reality of what that it probably didn't happen that way, but yeah. No, it, but he, he did say it was a hardest 10, 10 years of his life uh, <laughs> but he, yeah. he was successful yeah. in doing it there well uh oh, oh thanks thanks for sharing we going on with that communications part there um you know uh 
you know, many, many, many of our clients have spouses who work together. Uh, right. uh, some are our parents uh, are uh, some, some are children and the children have spouses that work in the business. Uh, some of them even have ex-spouses. <laughs> right. Working right. The business. They've done that. Yep. And so there's all kinds of different family uh, uh pods involved in the business what do you have uh what advice do you have on differentiating work roles versus husband wife roles we'll just go with husband wife uh, that's a little easier to look at yeah well it, this partially comes out of personal values right mm-hmm. i think it's easier to find another employee than it is another wife and so um <laughs> good point <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, you know, I mean, my wife has worked for me on and off. And one time, you know, she was my office manager. And we decided that it, we prefer to stay married and, you know, hire an office manager. So we did that. And then there have been other times that she comes back. She's working about um, maybe, you know, four to six hours doing some stuff. But I, 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 you got to prioritize it, right? And mm-hmm. we have to understand that the relationship is different because if an owner – Let's say, and it can go either way. I've seen it both ways. But let's say if an owner is is a man and he talks to his wife as if she is uh, his direct report, uh, if he talks to her that way at home, that's typically not going well, right? I mean, right. And so you got to understand <laughs> what you're talking about, and and it's difficult often for us to make that switch. And in mm-hmm. fact, to be honest, that's somewhat how I got into the five languages. I was dealing with a um, a company, uh, a highway construction company in North Carolina, and dealing with succession planning. I was talking to the dad who was the CEO, and I said, you know, how's the transition going? He said, it's going well. My son's stepping up. I think it's going to work. I walk across the hall and ask the son, you know, same question. He said, this is a disaster. It's never going to work. I can't ever please my dad. And so <laughs> my wife and I had been in, uh, influenced by the five love languages, so I thought maybe this could work in the workplace. And and so that's how we, uh, um, you know, pursued the appreciation in the workplace yeah. of being able to know how to communicate positive messages and appreciation and encouragement in the ways that people like it because not everybody likes words right and um, that's right. and so that's sort of where that came from and we have to understand that family personal relationships have different dynamics especially in the sense of decision making and uh, then in the business in the business you know it can be top down mm-hmm. you might, but that typically doesn't go well. I had a family I was working with that had sons and a lot of daughters-in-law, and the patriarch was pretty, uh, what do I say, forceful. Uh, but but he, he meant well. But he basically, and he was also generous, and he was going to take the whole family on a cruise, um, and he had already set it up. But without really, I mean, he was announcing it. He wasn't, you know, getting <laughs> And there was a revolt from the daughters-in-law, right? It's like, hey, we appreciate your generosity, but don't be planning our family vacations for us. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to keep those uh, boundaries straight, even yeah. even if we need well. Good, good point, good point. Well, I have three daughters, and so I, I, I fully understand the, uh, the boundaries part uh, when it comes to being a dad. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's let's go into that parent. Ch- children uh a little bit deeper on that i i know when i'm talking to parents uh, uh, about transition planning and and everything else uh 
many times they have children who are working in the business. They may even have not have children in the business, but they may have children's spouses in the business, and they may have children that are not working in the business. But it always comes up this 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 feeling as a parent, not as uh, as the business owner, of wanting to treat all their children equally, mm-hmm. uh, even if they're not involved in the business. What's the right. difference in treating adult ch- children fairly rather than equally, and why is it okay? Yeah, so let, let me uh, – I'm going to skirt exactly how you ask that and say it this way. Sure. First of all, you, it, so let's take – you can't always be equal, and even if you try, it can go awry. So let's say back in 2008, 2009, you had – you know. D- decide you're going to distribute some of your estate and you give a hundred thousand dollars in cash to to one child and you give a hundred thousand dollars of sort of you know uh investments mutual funds to another and you give a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock in your company and say a fourth one a hundred thousand dollars of property okay so at that point they're all equal right well two years later they are not equal right and so were you fair that you gave cash to one that they could do what they want Mm -hmm. with it uh, you know, investments that went way down to another property that maybe went down and maybe your business. So the, the issue of equalness and fairness is always defined by time, right? And so it, mm-hmm. because you have to have a point in time when it's equal, if that's your goal. But I, I, I challenge parents and say, do not chase fairness and equalness over time because it will drive you crazy. And I've right. seen it mm-hmm. do that because yep. you're always having to make it up and add more here. And well, how'd you determine? <laughs> so fairness is in the eye of the beholder. And ultimately it's what f- seems fair to you at this point in time. It's sort of like at that point in time, that 2008 distribution, that mm-hmm. was darn fair. You know, even though there was an opportunity for the business to go up, it could also go down. Also go and, down. Yeah. So, so you ha- I think it's for the senior. It's not what the kids think are fair because, you know, Johnny and Susie are going to view it differently. Uh, and clearly their spouses are. There's no doubt about that. So you have to be comfortable with say, I know it's not exactly equal. We can't, you know, property goes up and down. The company goes up and down. But to the best of our ability, this is what we think is, is equivalent mm-hmm. and a, a, as fair as we can make it. God bless you. Have a nice day. You know, I mean, it's so like, yeah. and if you yeah. want to moan about it, you know, go ahead. But I'm not listening. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you just gotta toughen up a little bit, and and, and that actually speaks to the issue because I, you know, I've done a lot of parenting kinds of training stuff. One of the missed goals uh, of our culture really is to help make our children feel happy, mm-hmm. and. It, it's it's a disastrous goal because you can't make anybody else happy. I mean, you can give them everything they can. You know, it's sort of this, you know spoiled Matilda or whatever. I mean, you know that they can have everything and they'd still complain about it. And then you have other people that they're pretty content with stuff. And so it's less about happiness and it's more about teaching them the life lessons they need to learn hmm. so they can they can function well in in real life. Hmm. Hmm. Very good. Very good. Well. One, one, one final question here. You mentioned your book, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, which uh, I, I've enjoyed reading many times. And my wife, who is a family counselor, uh, uses it in the five love, love languages often in her, in her counseling. But you, you say that the foundation of healthy family relationships is to build 
some foundational habits and structures in your family life that will foster healthy, close relationships that you will enjoy for years. Uh, Paul, what are some examples of, of, of some good foundational habits that a family can get started on right now? Yeah. So, and I tell you what, my passion in family business is to help that generation. It could be usually second or third that they're parenting kids, you know, young kids on Mm -hmm. up through teenagers, young adults, because there's some things that you can do that can either make it go more likely go well or not. And, And I actually put together a little webinar that I do for family businesses on that. So on key life lessons that wealth interferes with learning, right? And one is that uh, there's a relationship between demonstrated responsibility and privilege. Hmm. Now, wealth interferes with that because you get all kinds of privileges when you're wealthy yep. that you didn't earn, right? And if you sort of generalize that the rest of life, that's a problem. Um, also, that you actually do have limited resources. That and you may it may feel to a kid like they have unlimited money, but we all have limited, mm-hmm. uh, you know, time and energy and. That's where we learn to prioritize and make choices, you know, sort of trade-offs. Um, and that in real life, work comes before play. It doesn't necessarily mean work for money, but doing daily life tasks, whether that's getting dressed or doing the, the meals or doing the dishes or laundry or the lawn, that in real life, work comes before play. So it's not always just waking up and think, hey, what do I want to do for fun today? Um, and that I think a big one for parents is that life is made up of choices and as parents, we try to help frame choices because we don't want to just always be the natural consequences like, you know, go play in the street and get hit by a car. Go ahead. I mean, it's it's, you know, we provide boundaries, but then let them make choices and then experience the consequences or results, not because we're mean, but because we want to help them learn that that's part of life, that if you treat people nice, they tend to like you. If you treat people crummy, they don't. You know, if you work mm-hmm. and provide value to somebody, you tend to make more money than if you don't. And that's sort of the core. And so there's these sort of foundational lessons that we want to teach our kids along the way that will help them sort of, you know, uh, navigate their way through life uh, successfully. Hmm. Oh, that's valuable advice. Thanks for sharing sharing that, Paul. Uh, sure. So, so any final thoughts before we end our our time today? I could we could go on for for yeah. hours, but any final thoughts that you might have for family business leaders right now? I just think, uh, and it, it really. It applies to all of us, regardless of what our role is. And that is, I think we need to learn to be more grateful for all the good things that we have in our life. And and whether that's, you know, sunshine and being able to see and hear music and walk and enjoy food and have, you know, water that's safe to drink. So gratefulness has a huge ability to frame our life. Uh, and and to think about others. You know, we don't just walk through life on our own. And so don't just think about yourself, but think about others and, and, and enjoy life. Choose to enjoy it the best you can. Um, and, and that will make life go better, uh, right. whatever your role is. So. All right. Okay. Great, great final thoughts there. Our guest today has been Dr. Paul White, um, author of The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. Paul, thank you so much again for being our guest on Family Business Today. You bet, Greg. Thanks for having me. You're quite welcome. To learn more about Dr. White and the five languages of appreciation in the workplace, visit his website at www.appreciationatwork.com. You can uh, purchase Dr. White's book, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace, at your local bookstore or, or online at Amazon. 
To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Today podcast, brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee. Our passion is to help families deal with the unique challenges of working together in a family business and planning for a successful transition. To learn more about the Tennessee Center for Family Business, visit our website at www.tncfb.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us.